And so the first half of the book, about the first three chapters, are just about Paul just just talking about unflowery words and using all the description he can from language. He's actually limited by language to describe the incredibleness of being in Christ. What's it mean to be a Christian? And then he shifts gears in chapter 4, and he says, now let me show you for the rest, 4, 5, and 6, how to apply this to your lives. And so we're kind of having this sense of we're on an exploration together of, of this. And it's turned from, from kind of theolog- theolog- uh, theoretical to practical here as we get into it. So we're in this section now, Ephesians 4, um, and we're kind of looking all the way from chapter verse 1 through verse 16, and we're doing it over a few weeks, but we keep kind of overlapping and going back to get the overarching idea and then the little details through it. So as we're in that area, and we're going to read it in a minute, but you could open your Bibles to Ephesians 4 if you want. Last week, we looked at this section of Scripture, and we talked about something that I told you I was a little nervous about the title. I don't ever hardly title my sermons because I don't really care about it. Um, but I did a title, and I entitled it Reclaiming the Rainbow. And I was a little nervous about that because I thought some people could completely misunderstand what I was saying. But we talked about how the church is like a rainbow, that it is a beautiful expression by God. It's God's creation, just like a rainbow is, a beautiful expression of diversity in unity. That there's many colors in a rainbow, right? There's seven distinct colors in a rainbow. There's all these colors and shades in the middle. And that in, a, in the church, those many colors would represent different personality types and giftedness and, and likes and dislikes. All these different colors combined together to reveal the glory of God. And that, so we talked about reclaiming the rainbow. The church has kind of been afraid to even talk about rainbows because it's kind of misused in our culture. We talked about how as Christians, um, we must be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That was verse 3 of chapter 4, that we said, okay, we're this diverse rainbow, and we need to work really hard at making sure, it says we're diligent to preserve that unity, that peace in the body of Christ. It doesn't happen automatically. That it's our responsibility to establish and maintain unity within the church family. And we looked at this, and I even said this, and I said it was the only time I've ever said this to you in almost eight years as a pastor. I said, I I believe, a prophetic word to our congregation. I said that anyone who destroys that unity is actually fighting against what God is working to accomplish in his church. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that guy who's fighting against God, right? I don't want to be the guy who's fighting against God. So now today, as we move on, as we move ahead in this section, we come to Paul's explanation Um, talking again of the overarching idea of unity and diversity, Paul's explanation about what God has given, so God is saying, I'm giving something to the church to help establish and maintain the diversity and unity that he's been talking about in this section, which he said then leads to greater maturity and a greater development for the individual people in Christ-likeness. So let's see what Paul says God has given to the church to establish and maintain unity within the church body. And as we're going to look at that, let's remember the outline I gave last week before we read this section to say, okay, let's get the flow of the, of the verses. So chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, what do they deal with? Remember? Being united. That 1 through 6 says we're in unity. But then verse 7 starts with what word? But, he's saying, you're all united, but we all have different gifts, is what he says. We're all gifted different by God. So he says we're, we're different. We're all together, 1 through 6, but verse 7, but we're all different by God's design. Look, it doesn't say we're different because of the fall of man. 
People say, well, we would all be exactly the same if, if the sin didn't enter the world. Baloney. We're like a rainbow. God made us different on purpose, and that's exactly what he says in verses 7 through 10. He's given us all different gifts, and it's because we all have different gifts, we're different people. And so with that understanding, now let's start at verse 7, and let's read through verse 14, and we're going to primarily function, focus on verses 7 through 13 today. So let's start in verse 7. Ready? It says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And I'll explain what that means in a minute. Now, this explanation, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now let's kind of break that thing down and and figure out what Paul is saying here. First thing I want you to notice is that he says that to each one, who's he talking to, to each Christian, he says spiritual gifts are given. And Paul describes this by using imagery here that would have been understood to then, but it's, it's really Old Testament imagery um, here of a conquering king returning to his people from a battle. So remember, he's trying to paint a word picture for you here to describe what it's like for Jesus to give out gifts. So he uses this imagery here of a conquering king returning to his people from battle. That this king has defeated his enemy, they've gone off to battle, he's beat his enemy. And now he has those defeated people, the captives, with him. They're following him. They're surrounded by guards. He's talking about that. He says, and in that time, um, they would have paraded those captives in front of their in front of their people as a way of saying, "We won the battle. We won the victory." And they would also, at that time, distribute the spoils of war to the gathered crowd. So here you've got these humbled people. Um, they've been defeated. They're probably chained. Um, they're probably, you know, walking in line with guards all around them and that they're coming and they're saying, listen, we beat you. And at that time when the whole city is gathered around watching these defeated people walk through town, the king would then at that time distribute the spoils of war to the gathered crowd. They would give gifts, it says, to the bystanders. They would give those things that they had captured in war. So they, so they took the clothing and the animals and the valuables of the people and they would distribute them to their people, to the, the spoils of war. Now Paul applies that imagery to Jesus. And he says, Jesus who has descended, he said, to earth from heaven and he has defeated sin and Satan when he rose from the grave as the savior of mankind, that as a conquering king, he comes and he distributes gifts to the bystanders, to his people. See, friends, what he's saying is that to each and every person, whoever becomes one of his followers, he gives spiritual gifts. Now, is he going and saying, I'm giving you, I'm taking spoils of war, so I'm taking a a silver medallion from this person and giving it to that person? No. He's saying this is the image of what's going on. Jesus is the conquering king, and he comes to his assembled people, and he gives gifts, but his gifts are spiritual gifts meaning he gives spirit-empowered abilities. That's what a spiritual gift is. And the word that he uses here is, you notice he says grace. 
A lot of times we think we have a very limited view of grace. We think, you know, grace is just God's great favor, unearned favor to us. But grace is more than that. Grace here and throughout scripture is really referred to as power. That grace is the power. It's God doing in us, for us, what we can't do for ourselves. And that's what he's talking about here. They're giving spiritual gifts. God gives them to us. They're spirit-empowered ability. Spirit-empowered grace that God gives to his people, that God intends to be used to bring wholeness to the body of Christ, completeness to the body of Christ, that he has gifted each and every one of you that are his followers with spiritual gifts, that he places within us his spirit so that as we yield to him and to the spirit and we welcome his empowering, then he ministers through each and every one of us in ways that we could never mention by our, minister by our own capacities. And he's saying here, that's my plan for the church. And not only in this section of Ephesians, but there's a number of other places in the New Testament where he talks about this idea of God by his grace giving empowerment or gifts to his people. And he even in some of the sections of scripture identifies some of those gifts. I don't believe the lists that are given are meant to be exhaustive, but he's trying to say, listen, it's Apostle Paul multiple places saying, look it, God gives gifts. And because he talks about this multiple times, he's saying, I want the church to get this. And in some places he even says, and here's some of the gifts I give to the church. And what I want us to do is take a few minutes today and just turn to two sections of scripture and look at some of those gifts that he says are things that he gives to his church so that we can be empowered with them in order to accomplish the ministry that he wants to accomplish. So first of all, in your Bible, turn to the book of Romans with me. Romans chapter 12. It's interesting if you want to remember this. It's Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. They're both 12s, the main two lists. So Romans chapter 12. And let's look at at some of these things that Paul says are, he's talking about the exact same theme here, gifts God gives, but in these two cases he actually says, and here's some examples of some of the gifts that Jesus would give. He's coming like a conquering king. He's distributing gifts to his people. And he says, these are some of the kinds of gifts. So you're there, Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, starting in verse 4. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so it's the same idea of diversity and unity, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Um, each of us is to exercise them, exercise those gifts accordingly. Now he goes to list some. If prophecy, according to the portion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. Or he who exhorts, in his exhortation. Or he who gives, with liberality. He who leads, with diligence. He who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. So he says, look it, here's some examples of the kind of spiritual gifts that God gives his church. And he says, listen, if you've been given those gifts, use them fully, is what he's really saying here, right? You understanding that? Now, let's see that he, that's not a, just an isolated place. Now, flip in your Bible a few more pages and flip to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12 again. And let's see that he has the same basic message again, the same message in Romans, the same message in 1 Corinthians, the same message in Ephesians. But in these two cases, he's saying, and here's some examples of it. And he's going to give some examples in Ephesians. We have read them in a minute. You may have never thought of it, but he gives examples of gifts also in Ephesians. So 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, starting in verse 4 again. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. Again, this whole idea of diversity and unity. 
There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the effecting of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But to one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one, so also is Christ. And then just slide over a little bit to verse 28 of that same chapter. He kind of of takes a parenthesis in there, then he kind of comes back to the same topic. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. So, We'll stop right there. What do we see in Paul's message here about spiritual gifts? What do we see? We see that God gives various different gifts to the people who make up his church so that the Holy Spirit can function through each of them for the good of the entire church body. Now here's the question. Did you see yourself as I read through those lists? The reason I read them is I wanted you to hear them and go, well, you know what? That might just be how I'm gifted. You, you, you read, I read through it and you go, oh, exhortation, I'm good at that. I'm good at, you know what that means? I'm good at encouraging people, exhorting people. Paul says that's a spiritual gift. That the Holy Spirit, the same way the Holy Spirit can empower me to, to study the Word and, and to write sermons and to preach, He'll inspire some of you to exhort people. Maybe you saw in there a, a gift of giving. That you absolutely love giving to the work of the Lord. Generate, you give of your time, you give of your resources. He says that's a spiritual gift. Maybe it's mercy. He says mercy is a spiritual gift. Or helping, he says is a spiritual gift. Or teaching, he says is a spiritual gift. What I hope you begin to say and, and understand is as you look at these and maybe later in today go back and reread them and say, God, help me to see what kind of gifts you've given me. Because God's plan is for you to see what gifts he's given you and employ them into the work of the, of the body of Christ. Now, i got a question for you. i got a picture here. Who is that? Is Tony here today? There's Tony. Tony, you're a good-looking guy. What's Tony doing here? He's mowing the lawn. Now, we have like the world's best lawnmower here, but better than that, we have the world's best lawn mowers. The people. And Tony's one of the two guys. We need like three or four more, really, seriously. Some of you have this gift um, to spend a lot, that's to, to cut the grass. So Tony was cutting the grass, and a lot of times Dave Ott cuts the grass. And I ran out to Tony three or four weeks ago, and I said, he probably wondered why. I said, stop. And I started taking pictures with my cell phone. Because I knew what I was going to preach on today, and I said, I want to show what I'm talking about, that it's Paul's being practical here. And, and so my question as you look at Tony, and, and I'm going to understand, Tony works third shift. So the other day, Friday, Thursday night, Tony worked all night, and then he came here to cut the church grass, and because the church grass had been let go for a week, it took him almost over seven hours to cut the church lawn, because we have like multiple acres of grass here. So he spent, I don't know how he didn't fall asleep, he spent the entire day cutting the grass after working the entire night. Um, So my question is, what spiritual gift might Tony have? Serving? helps right so it's not my job to define it but to understand that you know what the guy who says i'll work all night 
And then I'll come. Now, part of sometimes you say, stuff's got to get done, so it's got to get done. You go, well, I'm not gifted for that. Well, no. Because sometimes stuff, you've you got to do your laundry no matter what, right? Um, but um, we identify our spiritual gifts. So when I look at Tony, um, I say, you know what? This guy just probably has a gift of helps, um, of serving, listed as spiritual gifts. And when Dave comes and cuts the grass, often after working all day delivering mail, he comes and he cuts the grass, again, for five or six hours. It's not saying, hey, I'll just come and serve in this for an hour. It's like a whole day of your life, and the grass has to get cut every single week. Um, that's a spiritual, spiritual giftedness. Now, here's what I know. There's more than two people with that spiritual gift. Um, that the body of Christ works like this. That there's, I only need, really, in this church, you only need a couple people with the gifts of pastor-teacher. Again, I can stand here and talk to a whole group at one time. But we need many groups of service and mercy and helps and administration, all those things. We need many people to function those gifts. So the way God's created us, He gives those gifts appropriately to a body. That's why it's so important. When people think with pastors, they go like, you know, that all they do is rail on coming to church. No, it's not about how many numbers show up. It's this, that if people who God designs to be part of a church family are not part of it, the body is fractured because all the gifts aren't being utilized in the body of Christ. And so that's what it's about. Paul's trying to say, listen, God gave all these gifts. He's like a conquering king who says, I love you so much, I'm giving you gifts. Now, the worst thing I could ever do when I'm given a gift is say, I don't want that gift. Throw it away or I don't want that gift. I'm just going to put it over in the corner here and not use it. God says, I give you gifts to be used. So think about this. How about at our church picnic that was three weeks ago? Three weeks ago, we moved our church picnic from the grounds, which it had been from the inception of the church. We moved it into the park up at the bluff. It was awesome. It was great. Everybody said, what a great transition. We're so glad. All kinds of people from the community that were in the park. We, on purpose, got the pavilion right next to Possibility Playground. And if people like Jim Langford, who is the great recruiter, out there um, telling people, I'm inviting people who are not coming. Jim's like, come on, get some free food. And they're all coming and climbing the rock wall and on his fire truck and in the jump houses and playing the beanbag games and all those different things. How about the people who made our picnic in the park a success? What kind of gifts were needed? Well, I know this because I'm behind the scenes. There was gifts of administration needed. Um, Pastor Paul, Suzanne, Diane, um, people who planned the whole event, working with the city to get everything in line. You can't just go in one day and say, we're showing up at the park. They, you got to arrange all that. You got to, you got to pay for it. You got to make reservations. All the administration, all the planning. Guess what? You know what planning goes into eating dinner on Friday night? Think what goes into planning a thing that 300 people in a park. It's a lot of administration. So we have people with administrative gifts who use their gifts. How about serving gifts? And there's no way I could mention them all. But I was just sitting there thinking, what people did I see who are who were really on top of the game serving? I think of Steve and Keenan and Delan and Jeremy and Robin and Harold and Amy and Greg and Tommy Faye and Jim. People that I saw just, it would not have went. They showed up early. They stayed late. They said, aren't there some other people to stay late too? We showed up early. Well, a lot of people just went home because they said, somebody served me. But the way God plans it is, all the people with those gifts utilize their gifts for the greater good. See, for the church to be complete and accomplish what God intends... He comes around like a conquering king and he distributes gifts to his people to get done what he wants done in the body of Christ. Now I want to make one more point about this before we get back to Ephesians. But Paul, the Apostle Paul, makes a point in 1 Corinthians and we we didn't really look at it, but he makes this point and I think it's very important 
that God has given these gifts and that we should never fun- and that we should function according to them and never compare them and not get prideful because of them. You see what was going on in the Corinthian church is some of the people, that's why Paul in the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, is defining all what we would say is the manifestation gifts. You know, tongues, interpretation, prophecy, all those kinds of things. A lot of those are more, more prevalent or noticeable gifts. And those people in Corinth thought that they were better Christians because they had those gifts. They thought, well, I'm a super Christian. I, I have messages to the whole body. And Paul's going, ah, 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 no way. He goes, gifts are not to be used to make people prideful. They are gifts. You didn't earn a gift. They are unearned. They are to bring wholeness and health to the body of Christ. They are not to elevate some people above other people and say, well, I might be more special. So no one could ever look at me as a pastor and say, and, you know, you may or may not agree. So he's gifted as a pastor. And say, well, he is more important. No. Just a different function according to the gifts of God. These gifts are not for comparison. They are for completeness. That making sense so far? We took a little diversion here in Ephesians. Look at these other verses to kind of get this whole idea of the distribution of spiritual gifts in the body. Now in light of this, now let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4 and see what Paul says next about how spiritual gifts function in the local church. He's making a very specific point here. It's the reason I wanted to explain all the kind of broader view of spiritual gifts that some of you go, oh, I never got that before. That's what I'm hoping is going to happen. So verse 11 through 13. And he gave some, and I'm already talking about giving gifts, right? He's a conquering king, it's the imagery. He's giving out gifts, right? You got that? Now verse 11. And he gave some, you can put the word gifts. And he gave some gifts, some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. And some of your translations have pastors and teachers together, and it doesn't really matter, I don't think. Why? Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the works of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So we'll stop right there. Paul here identifies some more gifts. It's another list of gifts. Some of the gifts that he has given to the church for the health. This is what he's talking about, the override idea. The health and the wholeness, and in particular, the establishment and maintenance of diversity in unity. That's the overall theme of this whole section in chapter 4. Actually, all the way back to chapter 3. So he says, Paul identifies some of the gifts that God has given to the church for health and wholeness, and in particular, the establishment and the maintenance of diversity and unity. And look what gifts he says he has given to the church to accomplish this in the local body. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Paul says that God gives apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, and I'll stop there, those gifts that we most commonly would think of as clergy. Okay? It doesn't mean they have to be vocational clergy, but most commonly we look at those people, you know, the, the apostles are generally church planters, the prophets are speaking the word of God towards people, evangelists are, are gifted, specially gifted to reach lost people, pastors and teachers are shepherds and teachers of God's truth. So the people we generally think of operate in a clergy kind of role. He says that he gives those as gifts to his church. And in context of this section of scripture, gives these gifts so that they can establish and maintain 
the diversity and unity that he desires. They have a job to make sure that what God's trying to accomplish, diversity and unity, is being accomplished. So here's what he's saying. That these ministry positions mentioned are gifts of God, that these are people God has gifted with spiritual gifts that are placed in these positions within the body of Christ to accomplish God's purposes. So according to this, the pastor, and we'll just use that because that's what I am, the pastor is the pastor because God gave him or her that spiritual gift and that person then becomes, he says, a gift to the local church. So a person, the same way somebody who is a, is a servant becomes a gift to the local church. So a person does not become a pastor or an evangelist by their choice, but by the choice of God. These are people gifted by God the same way someone is gifted to serve or to give or to prophesy or to administrate. Now verse 12 goes on to explain something specific for this group of of people, the evangelists and the pastors and teachers. Um, Verse 12 goes on to explain in more detail what these gifted as pastors and teachers and etc. are to do in the church. Look at verse 12 with me. They're given for a reason, it says. For, these gifts are given to the church for the equipping of the saints for the works of service. Say service. Service. The pastors, well, kind of, kind of we think of all those, we kind of lump them all together under the pastor role, are given to the church, they're gifted by God, given to the church for a job. Their job description is this, they're equipping of the saints for the works of service. Um, in other words, they help people figure out where they fit and to serve. So let's answer this question first. Who are the saints that he's talking about? He's saying the pastors are given to equip the saints for work of service. So their job is to equip just certain small group of very elite Christians. Is that what he's saying? No. Saints are Christians. Repeatedly throughout the New Testament, Paul refers to Christians as saints. He's not referring to some higher class of Christians, but to anyone and everyone who is a follower of Jesus. Christians are saints. They were sinners. You were born a sinner. There's a guy I read a devotional and it drives me crazy. I like a lot of stuff he says, but he does not understand that we're born into sin. Scripture says we are. You were a sinner. If you're a Christian now, you were a sinner. If you're not a Christian, you are a sinner. They were sinners. And I'm saying, even though people still sin, they're not defined as a sinner once they're in Christ. They were sinners They have been saved. They have been forgiven. They have been given the righteousness of Christ by grace. And Paul says, now if you're a child of God, you're a saint. So Paul says, pastors and teachers are gifted by the Spirit for a purpose. To help equip the saints, Christians, all of us in this church, for the work of service. So the pastor's job is to help the other people in the church family find their jobs, find where they are to serve, and to help them do that. The pastor's job is to see the big picture. How all the parts fit together into a unified whole because that's a spiritual gift. How do all these people fit together and work together to accomplish? How, do I, how does this person fit there and that person fit there according to their giftedness? Now, making a point to this for a reason, especially if you're from this community, long-term um, denominational church like I was raised. This is the reverse thinking of a lot of people in our community. Many people think the pastor's job is to do all the work of ministry. Right? They do the ministry work. You're a minister. You do the ministry work. The pastor does the work of the ministry and the rest of the people, what do they do? They watch and they receive. 
So I sit and I receive, I watch, I'm an observer. But the Apostle Paul says exactly the opposite here. He says, everyone has been given gifts from God and that the gift of the pastor-teacher is to help the rest of the other gifted people figure out where and how to operate in their giftings. That in fact, the pastor is only operating according to his giftings when he is actually helping others minister according to their giftings. And you could say it this way, the pastor is not work operating according to his giftings when he does all the ministry and keeps other people who are gifted to do that from doing that. That makes sense? So that's how it works. And as he says in the second half of, of verse 12 and 13, that as the pastors do that, they build the body of Christ, they build the church um, as it has been intended to be built by God. And as a result... They accomplish the unity in diversity that God desires. The pastor's job is to help all the others in the body of Christ find their place of service and then to serve in loving unity. And the pastor's job then is to guard that unity. Do you understand that? That's the pastor's job. Now look at what verses 14 through 16 say will be the result of a church family operating like this. This is what he said. He goes, now look at verse 14. As a result... Well, this happens, we no longer, we are no longer children to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. Listen, friends, it's a crazy time to raise your kids. There's every crazy kind of thinking going on there and it's coming from the church world all over the place if there's ever a time that we need to make sure that we are not tossed here and there by waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine and by the trickery of men and by craftiness and deceitful scheming it's today and how does paul say it happens as the five-fold ministry pastors and evangelists they help other people find where they fit in the body and we bring wholeness and all those giftingness works together so we see the completeness that god wants says so as a result we'll have this verse 15 but speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head even christ from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by every joint by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So, Paul says just the opposite um, of what the world thinks. Is all of us work together to accomplish. Um, the Christians in the church, he says, if we all work together, we all operate in coordinated gifting, this, what will be the result? We will be stable. That's what he's saying. We'll be stable. We won't be carried away. By sidetracked by every wind of doctrine, by every wrong idea, by every errant teaching um, that comes along. As, as pastors teach according to their, or teachers teach according to their giftedness, and pastors guard the, guard the unity, and servants serve, and prophetic people prophesy, as all that happens, he said you'll have a healthy church that is stable and be able to withstand all the garbage that the world is throwing at it that they will be a healthy representation of the body of Christ where every member is important and each contributes to the whole according to the, their giftedness. He says, then the whole body will grow in love and Christ-likeness. And God says he uses pastors and teachers to develop and to maintain this. That's the idea of the section. That's God's plan for his church. So the concluding thought of the whole thing is this. So a healthy church is a place 
where there is an appropriate value placed on all people according to their giftedness, and there is an appropriate value placed on the leadership that God has chosen and desires for everyone to find their fit in the body according to their spiritual giftedness and then function according to it so that then we have wholeness and stability in the world. And my hope is that we continue to grow into this. I think we are, but I think we need to continue to grow. We need to find, we need to say, God, where do I fit? And help get plugged in. Say, be people who say yes. Amen? Yes to who you are. So, stand with me this morning. You guys have been very patient. I know it's really hot in here. Our air conditioners are having some problems. We say that we have problems. Our air conditioners are not running. And so they're, they're not running at all. So that's why you're roasting and I'm sweating. You've been very patient today going through a, a section of scripture that is really, really important. And uh, I don't want us to allow being warm and a little bit uncomfortable to keep us from this really vital um, understanding of how the body of Christ operates. So just join me in prayer as we, as we wrap up today. Father, we see in this section something really plain. We see that you have created us to live in unity, but that you've made us all different. You've given us different gifts, and that's your plan, different by design. And that you've given pastors and teachers and evangelists and apostles a specific role in developing and maintaining that in the local church and helping every person in the body figure out where they fit. And then if we do that, we'll be this really solid church that's not carried away by wind of doctrine, that's not you know, di- distracted and diverted into wrong thinking, but we'll be this solid church that accomplishes your purposes. God, that's what we want to be. And I would ask this, Holy Spirit, would you just show us who you've made us to be? Would you just speak to the heart of every person that we recognize that there's spiritual gifts in our lives and that yes they can be employed in the workaday world but you really gave them so they could be employed in the corporate body of Christ and that true life true joy, true health will never be accomplished by anybody until they really find their fit in the body of Christ and God help us to, to understand the lies of the world that would say we could find that apart from finding our fit in the church family. That you gave us this wonderful gift called the church. This place that can accomplish what no one else on the planet can accomplish. Can have all these diverse people with different likes and different dislikes. They can have different nationalities and even political views and everything. And they can all come together and be unified in this incredible love of Christ that is fostered by your spirit. God, let Portview continue to develop into that place. Because God, you say as we do that, we'll become stable and we'll be effective. Because God, this is what we know. Our community, our families are filled with people who don't yet know you. And this is all about that. This is all about being effective. This is all about helping people come into faith and growing into maturity. And God, that's what we want. So Father, thank you that it's your plan to do this to each one of us. And I would ask God that you would help us all now learn to say yes 
to whatever you have for us because that's where the greatest joy is. That's where the greatest fulfillment is. Fulfillment is. Help us to live in that reality. So Father, as we walk with you now, we walk out these doors. This is chapter 4 and on. Lord, is all about practical application as we walk out these doors. Help us to sit today in this Sabbath rest and just ask you, Lord, what gifts have you distributed to me? And how do you want me to employ them for your kingdom? And then help us to learn how to walk together in those for your glory. So Lord, let your blessings, let your revelation be very real upon your church family today. May you be glorified in this church in amazing and increasing ways. In Jesus' name.